This is a warning, another cut to move on. Another beat that's so strong, hold on, and I get wicked in this song. Stir up shit as the wit gets wisdom. All right, everybody, here we go. Episode six of the RT podcast. Six. Can you believe it? I know we made it this far. Six months. You wrote me into six of these things now. (laughs) Insane. I, you know, it's kind of funny. I haven't been pushing you to record this one really, but uh, I just know like you and I both like so busy and time is just flying by. Just, yeah, you know, kind of can't really believe it right now. But you were traveled, then I traveled, then I was only home for two days before colorado then i was home for four days and back to colorado so i was just slammed yeah but, uh, but yeah we're here here we are check one two one two let's go <laughs> yep so uh in the bmx world uh we had a lot of things that's happened in the last four or five weeks since the last time we recorded uh one of the biggest was the bmx world championships that happened in nantes uh france and you were actually there why don't you give us a little yes. breakdown on that um it was actually really really cool i've been to three or four worlds now i think uh i went to belgium in 19 and then i went to the one maybe after that or columbia was that before or probably after whenever that whenever those were then columbia did Medellin, yeah and then uh rock hill and then france now and nance and this one by far just smoked the other ones it was awesome the the french you know as everyone most people know that that's like a huge cycling uh country and culture so they the facility was outstanding uh the way you know vendor rose set up all the crowd had to walk through it to get to the facility to get to the track so there was tons of uh you know tons of movement activity going on in, in all the the pits and all the the stores and uh, track was beautiful uh looked like it raced really well as far as uh i didn't hear any complaints um stands were just packed every day every a- amateur practice or you know, amateurs pros just packed and everybody having fun and it was a really good time so Race went um, well but- uh, i didn't see like any i guess any behind the scenes photos of stuff and things like that but uh what is like the vendor experience there like is it like going to tulsa or is it like a you know kind of mini version mm-hmm. of it no there's no team pits so you know tulsa has the front row is the front four vendors and that's your your main shop vendors and then you know behind that it just gets there's you know maybe a couple smaller vendors you know t-shirts or you know knickknacks whatever and then it just turns into you know your your bigger teams you know your factory teams uh you know rift uh answer profile and then it just kind of goes down the list uh and then it you know, halfway, not even halfway through, probably a third of the way through, then it turns into, um, just for lack of a better term, the mom and pop tents and some of them. And then you get towards the end, it's just, um, you know, small little teams or families that want to purchase. So that vibe of it, it's not like that, like, oh my gosh, you know, um, it's just, you walk into the, you know, you walk into the facility and you just picture like a little vendor row. There's maybe 10 shops and, and none of them are quite as big as the way we set up. So there's a couple of brands, <clears throat> brands, uh, you know, Chase is there um ice uh maybo you know so there's some brand boosts and then four or five different little shops and they're not quite set up as big as how the four of us do grands yeah uh, the four big ones but but it's you know all, all in all there's there's a, there's some stuff there you know yeah um, but then that's it so you just it's a short walkthrough it's not the the mega grands 
800 pit spaces, you know, because the yeah. countries, the the pits for each country is is blocked off. You can't access that. So yeah, um, yeah. it's a short walk to there. Then there's some vending or uh, some food vendors, you know, beer beer garden that kind of thing. And then that that was always full. The Aussies, you could always find the Aussies in the beer gardens. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you go to the track side and. It was, it was just good, man. It was just a great vibe. I, I ended up going every single day. I went to the amateur, I went to the practice day, went to the amateur racing, all the pro days. And normally, you know, we thought we were going to kind of skip out on some of the days. And it was just so fun and energetic that uh, we ended up going every day. So, I mean, like five nice. days of it. And I, and I was just a spectator. I didn't, you know, here in America, I got a little bit different pull. I mean, I kind of go anywhere or do, any, do whatever I want, you know, know all the vendors, know all the teams and, uh, there I was just straight a dude. Um, so hmm. I had no special accent. I had, we had VIP via some Vilma's friends cause she rode for one of the clubs near there. So we had the, the pro racing was fun. We were up in the VIP, but you know, the, the, the regular day to day, we were just normal. I mean, I bought $20 a day tickets and, uh, still had a great time. You know, it was, it was awesome. Um, yeah. Hung out with yeah. the American fans for the amateur days and, you know, like the sharks team and some of the other guys. And it was, uh, it was just, we just had a lot of fun. It was, I mean, one of my best, trips came home really energetic you know like really fired me up and want to get get back going in europe we kind of tapered off a little bit with covid because i mean they really shut down where we didn't so i uh, want to get some stuff moving back over there but yeah that race was really really fun oh cool uh one thing i well i guess one i guess gripe i had seeing it like this was the first year that they did this u23 championship correct mm -hmm. like where they yeah yeah, yeah. Um, not a fan, like, no, no disrespect to the people who won, but I think that that's taking away from the, the what it is to be elite. Uh, and you know, I, I can't imagine like when Bubba Harris won the world championships in France and stuff for him to not have won at like the highest level amongst like all the elites and be the overall champion when he was absolutely capable of doing it under the age of 23 is crazy well, to me. That's, that's like, their choice. You don't have to raise U23. Oh, it's like a pro basically. And, and uh, honestly, I was kind of like, Oh wow, really? This is what they're doing. They're bringing a pro into it. But after talking to a lot of them and then watching it, um, junior junior the jump from junior elite to elite is just too steep in europe america you know you could be done probably there's just not the people but um the, the amount of elite and junior elite athletes in europe just destroy quadruple times 10 more people than than what we have racing here in the states in those age groups um you know trying to be elite yeah so they're just not competitive coming out of junior elite anymore. Like it takes them years and years. And I think the discouragement, I think they're just losing possible great riders because they're just getting smoked for years and years, you know, like some great riders years and years and years. It takes them four or five, six years to, to start being competitive. So they don't have to race U23 if they don't no. want to, they no, can make the choice. jump straight to elite and just race there. Yes. Correct. Okay. Then just call it a pro, a pro world championship. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no, seriously, totally. like... The, the name is weird for sure. Because yeah, 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 junior elite. And then so you're what if you're twenty four? You can't do that. You got to race elite. What's that? So if you're twenty four, you can't. You can't. Then race you're. That then class. you have to. You then, then I think you know. You've had your time. You've had 19, 20, 21, 22. Yeah, you've had five years to develop. If you're not ready, then then you know, let's hang it up. I so, see. Or or go back to challenge classes. 
Yeah, just call fucking April. Let's stop this nonsense. Yeah, like, it's it's basically April, yeah. <laughs> but but it's needed over there, you know. Because I understand it, it's needed. Like, it wasn't, but it wasn't from my perspective. Uh, like hearing it, I'm like, wow, dude. Are they? I didn't realize the rule that they could race elite if they want to, or they could choose to race at U23. I get yeah. it now, but uh, from the outside, this isn't well advertised or perceived. You know? Yeah, man, that's that's possible. Yeah, because most of them, most of them don't. They most of them, a lot of them will race the U23. I mean, like Cam Wood, I don't think he's he's under 23, isn't he? He should be, I think. Yeah, yeah, and he he races elite. So there's yeah. there's one USA example right there. Yeah, um, yeah. So okay. Um, but but over over in Europe, it's needed. I mean, they, they'll show up to those World Cup type events and the in elite, and there'd be 120 dudes. So imagine cutting that to eight. I mean, some of those guys fly yeah. all over the world. They get two laps. <laughs> I'm not yeah. a fan of the new system. The the ride a, ride one lap, then LCQ, then into eights. Yeah, that was the other race that I several, had. That, that I'm I think is terrible. Listening they need to all race the same amount of laps. Uh, podcast that she did with Coffee Chatter, where she had like a lap one day and then like a lap the next day. That's that's horrible. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of that. U23 yeah. doesn't bother me. When it first came out, I was like, what is this? And I'm not a fan of the name. Seems like I can name it something better. Yeah. Um, but being a little more in touch with what's going on in, in Europe and it's, but again, it's like, needed. It's like, needed over there. Like, like going back to what it like, why are we like reinventing something that didn't need to be reinvented? Like we had something called a pro or super class, like we call it, I don't, you know, whatever. Europe, like Europe didn't though. Europe never Europe has. had They'd super class back in the day. Uh, maybe way back, not not in what yeah. I can remember. I mean, I yeah, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think any time recently there's been that super class thing. So allow World them, type you know. So allow us allow that first level tier pro, and who cares if they're 24 and they can't make it in elite, and they still want to race a pro? Let them race a pro. Who cares? Let them be 29 yeah. and still race an a pro. Like that's fine. <laughs> that I don't know. I mean, it <laughs> seems like you you know sometimes you just got to cut people's cord. I know just from playing. Um, you know, uh, ball sports. I played football high school. Was starting quarterback in high school. Then went to University of Nevada. Redshirted there. Knew I wasn't gonna. I mean, you know, I can see the talent level. I was like, I don't think I'm gonna race to rise to this occasion. So yeah, I went down to junior college as a fresh, true freshman. Sat the bench, battling for the starting job my sophomore year. And me and the other sophomore both got smoked by a high school freshman. So first year kid. Uh, and then basically. I could have continued on that season. I kind of just calling it a day. I'm like, I went to defense for a little while and I'm like, ah, oh, screw it. I'm out. I know I'm not going to continue on. I finished and got an AA degree and then just, but that's it. You can't go, I'm, I want another year of junior college. I want another year. You're done. You have your chance. If you can't get yeah, there, but I mean, look at motocross. You got 250 and 450. A lot of those yeah, guys yeah. are 250. They're there forever because yeah, they, absolutely. they're, I mean, they're Christian they're, Craig. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Some they move you from it. Some it you is. can linger. You know, like this age based thing, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. And, it, and obviously, it was confusing because it sounds like, oh, if you're under 23, then you have to race this class. But apparently, no. you don't. And you and know, you don't got to. So. You don't got to quit at. 23 you can go back and race challenge classes because at that point you're yeah, a but those you know that those guys don't want to do that and yeah, but you're a hobbyist if you can't make it you're a hobbyist i mean so like in football they cut you like my, my next best option was to go play intramural flag football it's like yeah, they just kind of help they just help you not lose your life in there's few and far between that do that you know <laughs> you know um, so it's like i 
I, I don't, I'm not mad at that. Yeah. You know, if, after 24, man, if you haven't made, I mean, there might be some exceptions because they can go race elite. If you think you maybe are going to make it, you got two more years, then, then figure it out in elite. You're not going to keep racing the kiddos. That's, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Being a but sometimes agent. elite is a difficult proposition because there's only certain events that you can do it at, at least like that sort of a class. Maybe they could have it at a lot more well, races. Same you know? with U23. So yeah, I mean, it's same same thing. Yeah, that, it's all is that all the EU cups and then how each country runs their championships up to them. So yeah, a little bit different system over there, but I mean it works for them. <laughs> so yeah, so, so yeah. otherwise, Worlds was all, uh, a good trip for all, you then. Yeah, all in all, man, it was great. And as far as I know, I mean everybody had a great time. We yeah. picked up three world champs uh, in the in the. Amateur ranks or the challenge classes, uh, day, yeah. I think it was day, and then we, uh, two rift riders, which is really cool, Ava Corley and, uh, and Cedric, Cedric Cade, so Cade, right? Yeah. Props to them both on our on our equipment. So that was really exciting um, and, and super stoked and proud of them. So that was awesome. an accomplishment. Um, our brands, uh, we had definitely had the tangent, tangent equipped riders. We had them in main events and uh, in the elite main, uh, Eddie Clearte and Sylvain Andre. And uh, both of those guys are. Uh, you know, uh, contracted riders for us. So that was cool to see them both in both uh, kind of screwed up a little bit and didn't get the desired result, but they were on fire and doing a killer job. So super stoked there too. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So, and then you came back after your world traveling trip and yeah. uh, straight <laughs> into back-to-back -back tangent pro-ams. I don't know. How yeah, you do yeah. It, but. yeah. I don't know either. <laughs> Luckily, you know, we got a good both staff here now. We got a good staff here now that can run the shop on TJR away. So most of the stuff keeps getting done. Just the, the admin stuff is the only thing that you know doesn't really get done. But I mean, they keep the wheels turning here nowadays, so it's good. But yeah, I was home for forty-eight hours and then took off again to uh, Grand Junction, Colorado. So you know those little smaller tracks in Colorado, but the tracks put up some money and um, invited us to come out. And so we said, all right, let's go. So we went and put on a show in Grand Junction and, uh, it was a mostly local scene. Couple, couple pros came, um, but more vet pro and then some girl pros, but, but the fans loved it, man. It gives the kids a chance to race older kids and not just like beat them in practice. It's like, you can beat them for money. Then you really beat them, you know, if a 15 beats a 17 and, and vice versa, yeah. or, you know, they, they don't get to race per se, you know, at the national level, but they get to line up together. So, um, that was really fun. Then I was so back what, home for four is, days. Uh, what's like a first place payout at one of those? Uh, or what was um, the better first place payout? That one was the Grand Junction was 4,000, 2,000. So it was probably, it's it's like 33% for the win. So three, six, nine, you know, 1,300 or $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1,
accusing them of like not stepping up the pot, this and that. But there is not a single complaint about anybody seeing a check from like a UCI Worlds or something like that of what these guys are getting. Well, yeah, Worlds is like our much. grands. Worlds is like our grants. So I'm sure it's a similar formidable check. You know, that's well, the, the last race I mean, of the year. It's not. It's not when you go to like a French round or a round in Belgium. I understand or a round that, in but Italy. is it? Because don't you think that they would want to be showing that off? Uh, I, I, I don't. I don't know. But I don't. It's not a ton more. It, it's probably really similar. I don't yeah. know. That, I don't think that it's much different. Yeah. No one's UCI is not known for pay, high payouts. So. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the world's one. I don't know. We can find out. We'll find out, and we'll we'll tell everybody next time. We'll tell our two hundred fans. No, yeah, we're up over is. like a thousand downloads. We're doing pretty good. Burning up the ears. Yeah. So, so. I've had you. You told me you had people out in uh, France, you know, talking yeah. about the podcast and stuff. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Some people from other countries. So that was kind of yeah. cool. Probably when you were naming off those single countries, like we got one in Belgium <laughs> and one in Zimbabwe. I think I, all those dudes found me, tracked me down. <laughs> it's kind but, of but funny. It funny. Got, a guy I went to MIT with, uh, he's a professor at Northeastern. Um, I was talking to him the other day and he told me he listened to it and stuff. And today when I logged in, I was looking at the country distribution and he's and he's uh, doing a sabbatical right now in Panama. And there's one listen from Panama. So I know exactly. Who that That's funny. Is. Just, it's pretty hilarious. Just, we got but, you. We yeah. got you. <laughs> oh, and, uh, man. You went to a race. Uh, you, yes. Uh, you went and crawled out of a hole and went to a bike race i did yeah uh, it's very rare that i go nowadays because it's kind of kind of a, a lot of the races are like eight plus hours away minimum and uh there was a race last weekend in trumbull connecticut uh, i didn't i didn't go for the whole weekend i just went for friday just to hang out and see friends and kind of walk around shoot the shit uh really nice track um they really put a lot of work into it and stuff and glad to see the northeast get you know, a national cause it's been, it's been a, a few years since we've had one up here. Um, the national almost hit 200 motos on Saturday. I think it was like nice. 195, 199, but really good turnout for, you know, the Northeast and everything and, you know, pumped on for those guys. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was good to get out there, you know, but it also, it is kind of crazy to see that like, there's so many faces that are, uh, for for certain for certain events that you go to and it's like this like congested like local population that comes and because there's yeah. a lot of people i had no idea who they are you know um <laughs> it's not it wasn't one that was like uh participated by like a lot of people from the west coast or anything you did right, there right. were a few people who made the trip because you know people looking for rider count and stuff like yeah, that yeah get some, and, uh, some easy points yeah yeah oh that's so, what they hope for anyway yeah exactly well i think some of the classes had some good rider count i know 17 20 had 35 riders so um you know, know that would have been a good is, one so. for some people but you know um overall it was good and you know i was glad to go but i i didn't set up or anything we've been like so flat out here in the shop that i don't even have i didn't even have anything to bring with me <laughs> um, you know, we just delivered for you guys and I know I think uh, we have another order coming too. Yeah, <laughs> we're just trying to trying to stay on top of that has been like my primary focus, you know. So um, but I had a good time. It's good to get out there and people to, to see me and stuff. And yeah. Uh, did, so did you miss it? You or, or was that enough for the next six months type of thing? Uh I'm good to grands for sure. <laughs> okay, um, cool. Yeah, that's I do cool. miss grands because I do miss seeing like the national circuit people that I'm used to seeing all the time yeah. and hanging out with friends and everything. Uh it's 
it's where your friend base gets built now you know it's all i have more friends on tour than i do at home by by miles you know like yeah i, I can call someone almost any state go yo dude i'm coming through you want to go have dinner yeah. i got a place to stay like pretty much anywhere but, but i will home, say i don't even know where at home i could do that <laughs> <laughs> i will say uh like going there and hanging out all day and you know you're at a race it's like and we own businesses it's not and it, i mean when you're there set up with like tangent pro shop and stuff it is a little bit of a different scenario you are actually yeah. doing business there yeah so um, pretend i'm working yeah exactly um so like that's one thing but to the way that i kind of used to do it like traveling to events for the team specifically um it did make me sit there and think for a second like man i really used to do this i used to i used to go to like 20 weekends a year to oh, set up and do all this stuff and it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy and then i start thinking about you like you know going overseas coming back colorado this weekend flying back colorado again and i'm just like god damn how is he getting anything done like i wouldn't be able like but that was me uh you know yeah not that uh long ago and uh it's just just kind of kind of crazy what you can get yourself used to you know you get you get behind a lot that's for sure yeah but you know a lot of the shop like i said now i mean even when we're gone there's three people here you know they're the shop runs now by itself so um Nice. Come get caught up on admin and then move forward with projects. And, uh, you know, we've turned instead of, you know, we used to ship stuff race to race to race. Now we've kind of just as we've put in years, you know, our, our uh, inventory builds and builds. So now this is more like a DC. So everything ships here. Then, you know, TJ sends a list to the guys in the back and they fill it. You know, well, not even our part, like all parts, you know, they fill it. Then when TJ places order, he just ships, you know, like it's what Sebi's to try to catch everything, get it to the shop, get it to, or get it to the trailers. But now we, everything just comes here and just ships from here and, and goes to wherever he is. So we just fine tune stuff and then, and just growing over time, we've been able to build much bigger inventories and, and then have the staff to manage, you know, what is, we got going. Is TJ mainly on the road with the trailer? Is that how it's kind of breaking um, down now? It just depends. In the summer, yeah, he is a lot, and it depends on what kind of tour we want to do. So, during COVID, we just followed the whole ABA tour or USA BMX tour. Uh, I think we only missed two stops; just they stayed on the road. Yeah. Uh, and then, so last year, like, man, we did pretty good. It was it's good marketing for our, the brand, and uh, you know, we're trying to get our website to be one of the premier ones. You know, we're more our, my most used. You know, there's four or five pretty big sites, and we'd like to compete with them. Um, so getting your name out there and just being in front of other people. So he looped again last year and then, uh, we call them loops, like a, you know, an East loop or a Midwest loop. So then this year came about and he just tied some stuff in TJ. He just looks at it and evaluates and I, I don't care either way. If he wants to, if he wants to loop East then go for it, cause we have the equipment to do it. Yeah. If he wants to stay local, we can do just fine locally within our say West, we call the West coast it would be, um, Nevada, Arizona, Utah, I mean, Oregon, Washington, California, like that would be our West coast home. So yep. you're home every week, you know, so, or we can do that. And, and monetarily we do pretty much the same numbers. Um, it doesn't matter which way we go. Um, so like, so say next year, I don't think he's going to do East coast looping. It's just, it's been a couple of years of it. So, uh, yeah, that's a far stretch. At home. Cause he ends up being out there a while. I always tell him to have you, if you, you know, if you're on a six racer and I ever want to come home, just fun, come home, you know, whatever. It's not, it's yeah. not going to kill us because then we just hit the local scene. Um, so, uh, yeah, we've luckily California's our, our NorCal and and Nornev and all that. It does really well. There's really big rider counts and 
uh, it can sustain the shop just as well as staying out on the road hitting nationals because some of them get expensive and people realize i mean or if we have something break down like we just had to buy a turbo today we or it came in today three grand you know people yeah. are like, why can't you give discounts to the trailer well i got fourteen hundred dollars of tires a month ago i just bought a new turbo for three grand so it's like they don't understand it costs us you know five grand to walk out of this building and the, you know that's with your fingers crossed that nothing goes wrong so yeah we show up all shiny and pretty but man the behind the scene there's a lot of work and a lot of not to mention you guys have to have that stuff on the trailer ready to go and that could be thousands of thousands of dollars just for restocking you know yeah exactly just to to be able to go to an event to anticipate what people are going to want yeah that you're going to have have on the shelf you know so it's a big investment it's a crazy um, inventory. Someone's asking, how much would it cost to start one of these up? I was like, you need about like our size and ability, like 300 grand and a, and a staff of minimum three, like, or, you know, you can not even going to touch, you know, the big, the big four. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's always uh, uh, the, the funny question. People think it's just so easy to do. Yeah. You know, <laughs> It's, it's no like joke. <laughs> yeah, I, I just laugh. Like, yeah, knock, knock yourself out. <laughs> you know, you if you want to be me in five years, like 10, oh, 15, yeah. I think we've been doing the shop, I think 16 years. I mean, we started in a 16 footer, but you could back then. Now, I mean, in, anywhere, anywhere on the, on, in the, so California or our area, Midwest, you just get eaten up. You know, if you're not, uh, you can, or you're just going to make little bits of money. I mean, if you want to put all that energy into making a thousand bucks a weekend, then, you know, whatever, but to compete with, you know, us full tilt, JNR, uh, powers when he's there, the, there's one other guy, uh, I can't think of everybody's names, but yeah, if you're not sizable, then I mean, it's tough. It's like yeah. going against Walmart's, you know, even when we have to go against JNR and stuff, when we have the big ones. It's, it's tough for us. Like, oh, yeah, fuck, you know, this is going to be a slower weekend. Cause you know, we're dividing it down. We've got everything. They've got everything. The other guy has everything. Yeah. And 90% of our shit's all the same shit. Like it's all the I same remember, brand. Uh, it was a few years back stopping in to uh, say what's up and stuff. And I think it might've been Arizona, but I remember you weren't like too pumped because you showed up there and uh, it was like Jane R and dance comp both like there, you know, and you guys. So it was like the three biggest vendors all in yeah. one spot. And it was just it like, makes it real hard. Yeah. It's like th- this is, even though it's on your side of the country, like this makes it hard to do. You yeah. Know? I mean, they're still bringing the same inventory. So yeah. it's just more stuff and people, you know, they like, they go, oh, I want to go check out. Most people get loyal to the the brand they're in. You know, there's Jane R on the East and they look full tilt in the mid and us out here. 80% of people are loyal to the companies that, that, that support them, that support their tour. And yeah, but you know, some people like to shop around and go look at different stuff or, or just like, Oh, I buy it here. And, and, and once in a while you might not have something in the right size or, you know, whatever. And so there's, you <clears throat> you don't get a, a second option like, Oh, Hey, you know, you have DXRs. No, but we've got the saint. Okay. I'll take saints. Yeah. But if Jane ours there, they're going to walk across the way and buy the, you know, DXRs. Yeah. So there's yeah. just different stuff. I mean, it's all, I mean, we can, it's, it's all okay. Now we, we can go head to head with everybody. It's no problem. But you know, five years ago, man, it was really hard. Like, woof, this is gonna, this is gonna sting a little bit. <laughs> but uh, uh, What do you, I, I always have this, uh, I always have this impression that, um, like what percentage of sales do you think at a race is like people showing up and they're like, shit, I need this right now. I have this at home. I forgot it. And they walk in and they need to buy it. I know for us, like with gears and stuff, people are always coming up and saying like, oh, I have this gear, but it's in my, it's in my uh, toolbox that I left at home. 
and they're they're because they need like a different size or whatever or something yeah. happens like do you feel Sprockets. like there's a lot of uh uh just like impulse buying i well that's that's not that wouldn't be impulse buying um that'd be like well, yeah i guess um that would be they forgot something by impulse like man i don't you know i want to i think i want to switch my seat post to gold today i mean match the rest of my bike instead of black that'd be more an impulse but yeah to, in my in my eyes yeah um, but that what you're the, what you're describing like people forgetting stuff yeah that happens that happens a bit um uh and yeah. then we you know we have bikes fall off bike racks bikes get stolen um yep there's a host yeah. of stuff, but most stuff people, you know, there's not really bike shops around anymore that stock BMX stuff. And then we've got as much as we can get from under the sun we have in our, in our, in our shop. That, that's how that's high volume. You know, we don't carry stuff that doesn't move. It's just like any retail store. I mean, every square inch in there needs to move X amount of times or, you know, we can't really stock it. So, yeah. and that's what, like with new brands, you know, like, Hey, you know, you help us. I'm like, Oh, we'll try it. Um, and if it doesn't move, then we just can't keep it in here because we could have sold four, say a number plate, you know, Bill's number plates. Like, yeah, sure, we'll hang them up. Bill's number plates don't sell. They've got to come down, go yeah. out front, sell it for cost because we could have sold 10 box plates or insight plates or answer plates or our plates yeah. in that place. You know, it's got to turn. So we don't yeah. have people like, oh, we don't carry this brand and this brand. It's like, well, those brands don't sell fast enough. You know, like this thing has to stay on the road. It can't, it's not just a showroom for for uh new brands uh, and people don't always understand that and, and we want to help like you know we're in it for everyone I'm, I'm i'm not we have a bike shop so we carry whatever brands we used to have a thing if we hear someone ask for something more than twice and we got to look at you know getting it it's like yeah you know hey do you got the new bombshell you know blah 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 man uh, two weeks you know two months later hey do you got any bumps okay they might be making some waves are they doing some marketing with it you know we kind of look at that and go okay well let's try one that one sells okay let's get two or let's get the colors you know blah 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 yeah so, but then yeah. um yeah, yeah most of it is that they, so they'll come back to them buying they don't have bike shops so you know a lot of people buy their grips and you know their new seats or stuff that's kind of beat up they're you know they can't get tires in town um and some people don't like to buy online or if they know we're coming and they're in a year Save or two, the they, shipping there's, and stuff like there's that. 90 percent chance that we're going to have what they need so yeah. they wait and buy from us and then, and then and then there's impulse stuff like you know i really need some new cranks or a bottom bracket or you know whatever we have impulse full builds you know johnny did great and <laughs> just turned expert and we're building a brand new rift i mean we've we have that happen you know once every other race or so so yeah yeah i mean there's all it's all kind of everything under the sun i mean it, it's it's fun it's a lot of work but once it's set up and you're rolling and dealing with all the people and slinging your parts and uh, you know, well, if I think you like selling stuff, it's fun. You got this process in place, and that's the biggest thing. Like to where it can almost like you, it's a lot of work, but you have like a formula that you follow, and you know, and yeah, you know who you got to deal with. You know who you got to buy from. You know when you need to, you, you know when you need to get the stuff. You know the set schedule is kind of set from September, so you know. Yeah, well, that's been, that's been good about having the inventory power to to stock everything here it's just it's here it, it's in this building yeah so and if it's not it's on its way and then we just stock from there so yeah it, it's definitely gotten better we, we've gotten better at it the new trailer it was, is built out we did a full custom build so it addressed everything that we need as mobile vendors and maybe yeah. even made changes along the way and some slight fabrication changes inside so yeah i mean but it, it took a long time i mean it was definitely you know we oh, have yeah, the formula sure. now but man it took there's a lot of trial and error and a lot of looking at what other people are doing and then they're looking at what we're doing and we're all we're all pretty friendly out there you know um the yeah for a while the west coast vending situation was like ripe for someone to take it over 
Yeah. And because uh, it was like nobody was like really stepping up and putting in the kind of effort that we because there's a lot of effort put in on the East Coast. Yeah, correct. And uh, there was a couple of competing people going to all the races and everything. So, yeah, no, the um, East Coast was hard. And yeah, it just, took, it just took us time to get here. I mean, we didn't we don't have free money. You know, we have yeah. to earn it and then yeah, turn exactly. it and then earn it and then turn it. So, yeah, um, we've just done a long time and made some decent decisions, had some good, some good luck, have great people helping us out and surrounding us. And yeah, you're still here. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. All right. So with that, I think uh, we kind of segmented a little bit into business stuff, but uh, yeah, kind of, yeah, good enough. <laughs> you got an update on your autos. Your yeah. So um, the intern that I had just finished and he's starting his mechanical engineering degree at Purdue university. And uh the last thing that we had him do was run out this trial of the uh, it's basically this, this uh, robotic gripper that's going to go inside of one of the Haas machines. And it's uh, essentially just picking up stock plates, placing them in a automatic pallet that clamps the plate down. And then we'll be able to do our machining operations. And then when the machining operations are done, the gripper comes back, picks up the finished semi finished gear. It's like 95% finished tosses it in a finished bucket and then rinse and repeat and just keep on doing the same thing over and over yeah. again. So we had I mean, the, this is like a, it's a fairly simplistic robot, but it's complicated at this like machine shop level yeah. to get it to interface with an existing product. And uh, in, in, in when, when I say that, I mean an existing machine. So um, last year we had bought these two brand new mini mills, which is, you know, uh, not, it's an entry level machine, but the controller on it is the same as any of the highest level Haas machines that are out there. So it has all the capabilities in there to do this automation. You just have to unlock it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it took us a year to design, build and test this, uh, automation piece, but, uh, we ran almost a thousand pieces. He ran about 850 pickups and we had 19 failures that occurred. Most of those were in the first few, um runs of it uh we we were stacking i think 15 plates high and then just you know constantly repeating that and making changes along the way and and iterating and you know adding little things or fixing little parts and whatnot towards the end the last few hundred had zero failures so that's awesome pretty much you know putting that on pause for right now because the next step of this project essentially is to buy a new machine that it's actually meant for replace one of my machines in the gear production cell and then put all this hardware back into that and then yeah. start the whole process of programming because now uh, like i'm gonna buy a machine um i'm probably gonna get the dt2 which is a really high speed spindle um about the size of like a vf1 workspace but uh-huh. smaller than a vf1 it's it's a lot like my mini mills in volume as far as floor space so it's a nice small machine um but we never use like a lot of cutting area because you know the biggest thing that we cut is a nine by nine square essentially right um so my thought is that when this machine comes in it's not like we can just sit down for months and you know yeah, try programming yeah. it if it makes something it does if it doesn't it doesn't so i'm gonna set up uh two pallets basically side by side because the the dt2 is big enough to handle that and on one side we'll run all of our legacy programs so 
as soon as we get it day one load everything up put the tooling in go ahead and run stuff the way that we always have and then we can do things like um override the speed and override the feed to cut even faster because that machine has like twice the cutting capability in rpm and yeah, yeah. I, I think it has like four times the feed capability of the vf1 that i have but yeah. um so we should be able to rip with it um but then on the the secondary you know pallet setup i can put all of this robotics in and play with it you know i can work with it on the weekends i can work with it at night whenever i feel like like going right, on right. And, and trying to develop that system and um what that hopefully is going to enable us to do is to I, I my goal is to be able to stack like 20 or 30 or 40 plates in the machine um it's going to be really slick with how we can program it where i can basically line by line say all right cut three 44s cut a 44.2 cut a 43.1 cut, cut oh, a 42.7 cool. all in a big list send it to the machine and then it will just sit there and, and go through them one by one systematically and do what it needs to do until it's done and that's, that's pretty essentially cool. gonna that's really gonna once that system is like perfected um it's really gonna free up the 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 operator that i have in that area to do other things or it's going to enable us to potentially uh, this is, sounds like a great idea but i've tried doing stuff like this before and sometimes it doesn't work out so great um it could enable us to like load the machine up at night and let it run overnight and then yeah. come in in the morning and either have a pile of gears that are done or have a fucking mess and like exploded parts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so and i say that from experience um yep, or like a sure. shop that has like coolant uh all flooded inside of it um but <laughs> you know eventually that is the place that we can get to and, and if we could get to that level that's really going to change a lot of things because then during then it's going to essentially utilize this time that the machines are never running to, to actually do useful work and then during the day when the operator's there, maybe we can put a, like a new product that I develop and put on that machine to, to cut stuff or whatever. So it's exciting. Um, yeah. Probably going to start the negotiations pretty soon with Haas and uh, see what I can squeak out of it. Um, I know their third quarter is going to be coming up real soon and uh, the end of the third quarter because IMTS, which is the big Midwest show, that's uh, the, that's the show I went to and bought my lay that that's oh, gotcha. going on in the beginning of September in Chicago. So when they get back from that, it's almost the end of third quarter and all the sales reps are going to be pushing to try to, that was something I learned when I bought my machines last year was um, the sales rep was dying to try to make the deal go through on like the last day of June. And gotcha. it was because the second quarter was closing out. And he wanted to add two more machines to his closeout, you know? Gotcha. So yeah, yeah. it's a way to try to negotiate and get like, you know, some goodies out of it. So going to try to do that. Um, but yeah, yeah that's cool. I'm hoping to have uh, a new machine in here for like December timeframe. Like I'll try to plan it when I get back from grands to be able to, uh, you know, like second week of December, have it here and uh, move my old VF out. I actually already have a buyer for it who's just going to wait. Um, oh, cool. Same person I sold my TM1 to. He's buying the VF1 also. Going to cool, sell cool. that to him, 
put in the new machine, get it all up and running, and hopefully sometime in the new year be able to show off even you know cooler videos of it doing all kinds of shit. Yeah, so. yeah. For for those who haven't seen it, he's got the the kind of the demo on on his Instagram at what Ren and BMX. Yeah, got it's a pretty cool. Little working yeah. working photos of it. I almost bought a. Well, I I thought about they uh, the Haas salesman. They actually got some specials going right now too. I guess. Yeah. But they uh they bought a T one hundred the the Trunnion. I mm. really want to get that. It was like fifteen thousand. Normally, I think twenty or give or take. But yeah. be really cool to do uh, some five axis stuff just on the because I got that VF three and that's kind of why I was gonna get a VF two and then they had that a four model VF three the same price so it saved like 20 grand getting the bigger yeah. machine I'm like well maybe someday i'll use it and i could put or i could put a trunnion over there still yeah. have two vice you know stations maybe you know two doubles because it'll do a lot and have a trunnion so i uh i i looked at it but uh both my my programmer here now and and von soth they were like ah it's kind of a small envelope and you can't push that one hard you know like, mike likes to push everything hard <laughs> so i'm like ah, all right i'll just wait i'm not in a hurry for it but down the road <laughs> I, I i'm gonna i'll put a trending on that on the side of that vf3 because we don't even yeah, use but, the space you know i you know sometimes um I, I I do appreciate the feedback from like seasoned and and well oiled and you know gristled machinists and stuff and and uh, programmers and whatnot and guys that are in that environment. But also from this perspective, like if you were able to put something like that on the VF and still be able to do everything else that you need to do, you could convert over a lot of your uh, stem work to yeah, hit multi-side, you know? So awesome. Yeah. Right. That's the main thing. Cause we have two five axis stems we haven't built in two years. Exactly. Yeah. So you could do a lot more that would, you know, you could utilize any downtime that you have with that machine or, yeah. you know, kind of what I'm talking about, like, like running something slow and easy that isn't going to push the machine too hard, but you let it run overnight. Right. And who cares? Yeah. Just let it let it do that. No, and then you come I'm, in I'm in the just, morning and you have a pallet full of stuff. Yeah, done. I'm the same. I'm the same way. Like I don't care if, if, if where we're at now and the speeds, everything. We're only making stuff for us. We yeah. don't have deadlines that you know. We don't got to make John Johnny Joe's stems and have them to him by the 23rd. My shit, yeah. when it's done, it's done. Like that's it. There's no. It doesn't matter. And everything else just keeps turning around it. So for yeah. me, if it takes 30 minutes, where you know, with the other one, it takes. 17 i'm like ah you know i'll live you know yeah. still, still just it's still running you know, you know what I'm operators doing operators doing other stuff running the other equipment while yep. that one's still making me yep. you know 200 bucks an hour or whatever so yeah so what i'm doing sometimes is i'm over there um setting up the lathe running the lathe like like i can push that machine it's it's rigid it's it i can push it hard but sometimes I'm just dialing it way down so I don't break anything so I can come yeah. in and do invoicing or I can do something else, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't got to Because I can't it. necessarily be over there babysitting the machine to listen for a broken tool because if one tool breaks and then it cascades to the next one yeah. and the next, the next one and the next one, one uh, that's, that's it's my a disaster, favorite. you know? When the first tools break, oh, that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just comes seven tools, gone. Maybe a fixture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, some of the tool holders on the they're like 1500 bucks a piece so yeah, yeah it's, got, it's not I mean, fun not whatsoever <laughs> got, got a few pricey ones yeah but yeah so um well that sounds good i mean you think you you think you might try to do something or you're gonna hold off um uh, i we're just we got a bunch of stuff coming in if, if we didn't have a bunch of stuff coming in the next three months like yeah i mean a good two hundred thousand dollars worth of product coming in yeah and the race the race scene starting to taper down 
I, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait. I'm not like I said, I'm not in a hurry. Yeah. But but it is a it was a pretty good deal. So I don't know, if it's floating around in a couple months, you know, my some of those things don't fly off the shelves, you know, but yeah. Um I don't I would, even mind if I, think, I if I buy a new one down the road, it's fine. Keep in mind this trick though, because like I negotiated when I bought the mini mills, um, and the guy had said to me. Like, oh, well, you know, my my quarter's about to close out. I'd really like to get these sales in. I'm like, oh, yeah? Well, how about you throw in these two software options for me for free for each machine? And he was like, right, yeah, right. fine. It, you know, because when it's, <laughs> they wouldn't move, they wouldn't budge on the price of the machine. But things that they could turn on and off in software, they were giving that shit away like it was going out of style. And uh, I probably could have yeah, got yeah. some more. Um, gotcha. But. You know, it's just one of these things. So, but you're happy. So, I mean, yeah, definitely. I'm happy with what I got. I mean, those, that's cool. those machines are nice. They're clean. They're new. They're, they're very productive. Um, yeah. and they're very affordable, you know? So, cool. Um, yeah, we're doing good with that. So I'm pretty pumped on that. Cool. Cool. But, um, yeah, I can't, speaking of, uh, you know, getting ready for stuff coming up, we got grands coming up. It's like what, like 95 days, 94 days away. Yeah, I see I the countdown, but I've got one, two. Let's see, hold on. Before the grands, I have one, two, three, four, five, six. There's six events before the grands. So I don't even <laughs> we don't even look at grands yet. So seven, we have we have seven more events yeah. uh, this year. Six before grands in you know two, three months. So we don't even look at grants. And like I said, everything's just here. We don't be like, dude, are you ready? Are you getting in? I was like, we're always ready. It's, we're, it's the same for us. This is, <laughs> well, we I get worried about it space. because <laughs> right around now is when we start getting these <laughs> massive orders coming in because yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. wants to have full, you know, uh, product yeah, they're, rollout. They're, all their stuff, yeah. And they want to have everything on the shelf at Grand. So all four vendors we sell to, like, we... We can, we can miss some rent and we got our own. But, but no, I mean, it doesn't help. <laughs> you get miss decimal, sales. Then, the decimal you know, gear they... people... Will, no, we, we, we stock it all. So the decimal <laughs> people want the decimal gear. You can't you can't switch them on the other. So no, we always have a full in, of course. So, <laughs> I hear you. you definitely uh, get busy then, but... Yeah, we'll, yeah. Try to, we'll try to get T-Day places order soon. I actually did tell him too. He's like, dude, I raided the, the DC and I'm taking stuff out of the local trailer. I'm like, all right. I go, we'll just place a big enough order to cover grands and everything right now so that we don't have to deal with it later. So yeah, they'll be just, coming in here pretty quick. I just got some quarter inch in that should last me hopefully till the end of the year. Um, so uh, that'll cover like four bolt threaded, but we're actually fully out of uh, this 190 thick material that I use for everything else. Uh -huh. And um, I had a situation with a vendor where they just either, either they straight up lied or they didn't know when the material was coming. I was told mid July that they were out of my material, which they were supposed to hold on to for me. Uh, yeah, which nice. they just, they just sold it out underneath me. Yeah. Which sucks. Bigger vendor or bigger, bigger, bigger fish. Yeah, that's basically what happened. Um, and then uh, they promised me beginning of August. That never came. And then middle of August, they basically said that the material's not coming until uh, middle of September. And I had to like emergency buy, you know, a, a smaller amount, enough for probably uh, five to 600 gears or so, um, yeah. at a much higher price, uh, from another vendor that had it on shelf. And, uh, yeah. what I'm hoping to do is whenever this other stuff does come in, cause it's a pretty big uh, price difference. 
I'm going to buy everything that they have. And uh, yeah, that will hopefully get me through to till January and I can cover everyone's grand's orders and stuff. But yeah, it sucks. We got to do, you got to just buy as much as you can afford now because it goes up every time you buy it. It's like, yeah. how much can I afford right now? Okay. Give me that much. And <laughs> it really does suck. Like uh, I, I feel like there's uh all this COVID stuff. Like it definitely, I think it shook a lot of people with aerospace manufacturing and they brought a lot of, if they were doing stuff overseas, I think they ported a lot of it back here. And all the shops here are just, I think shops and metal vendors are kind of like, all right, you want it now? You want it? Like price is this, price is this. Yeah. And, and they're just, I, I've never seen from one material order to the next, like a 25% price increase. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so now, and it, so this kind of hit me like, I know I've been talking about it for months, but it kind of hit me blindsided because I wasn't ready for it. Um, Cause this is a significant amount of money that you have to shell out to just yeah. hold on to metal. That's sitting up against the yeah, wall yeah. right now, you know, sleeping. So money. Uh, yeah, sleeping money <laughs> for sure. So Maxime, Maxime calls it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, luckily we're catching it and um, hopefully, hopefully this stuff comes in in September, the way that they said it's supposed to, or else, uh, people are going to be really screwed for grands, but um, you know yeah. we'll see. Hopefully, try to deal with it as best as we can. But uh, that's my main focus right now is just making sure we have enough stuff here to be able to produce product. So yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, crazy, crazy. So anything else going on over at Tangent that you want to let me um, know about? We've got uh, our forks have moved into the paint and decal. So paint and PNG, they call it paint and graphics. So that's exciting. Our carbon is that a bars carbon are fork or a carbon. Yep, carbon, carbon fork. fork. Yep, full nice, full carbon. Full, well, uh, yeah, carbon fork. Um, and then our handle, our carbon bars. Uh, the air we have an air shipment that came in, so all we have all sizes of our little guy carbon bars. So three and a half, four and a half, five and a half, six and a half. So those are all in stock for retail sale. And then the boat shipment of them comes in about three weeks. So then we can sell to dealers and distro. Uh, finally got alloy bars back in stock. Uh, we haven't had those in, man, those are really, uh, the alloy bar vending just, uh, it went to shit for everybody. I don't know why, uh, but we finally got those back in stock. Those are, um, but the, the retail only we aired it. We, we, when we air in a little bit that we don't, if we don't have something, we'll air in a little bit for retail yeah. only yeah, So yeah, for yeah. the web and for our trailer and yeah. then the boat will follow. And then we're open to you know dealer and distro. So same, same thing there. They are, um, uh, mid-september so that's like it's almost like a new product we haven't had bar, our, our alloy bars in almost two years so it's almost like adding a whole new product <laughs> and then we are adding a new product with carbon bars and then forks i'm hoping i'd be really stoked if we had some by grands i don't know if it's possible um the, have the you seen take some time. Uh, have you seen an improvement in uh shipping times from when it leaves asia to when it gets to you uh, we didn't have any really unlucky situations. We we were delayed maybe a couple of weeks at the most. We didn't have anything crazy. We only had a few shipments this year. That um, most of our stuff's coming now uh, because the lead times were so long. Like our our plate and seat order uh, lead time was eleven months. So we ordered it nine months ago. So you know our we haven't hit that. We didn't hit that early. You know first quarter, second quarter shipping disaster. Okay. So I mean, we have stuff on the water now, and it's it seems to be pretty normal ish. Um, and you just, uh, we just get used to it. Like I said, the sh because we have the retail shop wheels, just keep turning. If we don't have our stuff, we buy someone else's and sell it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Um, 
we just we get ours when we get ours. That's kind of what we've had to deal with the last couple of years, and yeah, we just continue on. But uh, lead times are coming down, shipping times are coming down, um, pricing is not coming down. Um, pricing on product or the like the just, surcharge yeah, they're putting on shipping, Sh like is shipping that staying? product. Yeah, everything. it's it seems like I haven't had to book a. We only book like twenty footers and forty footers when we do frames. Everything else is kind of LTL, so it's not full loads. Yeah, and I don't. I honestly, I don't really make tons of comparisons. It's got to come here anyway. I just, I look at the end result. If it went up significantly, we have to tack it onto the to the price. Yeah, um, we just every every time a new product comes in, you know, we order once or twice a year. Comes in, I look at it. Okay, well, this you know the landed unit. It costs us this much landed. You know, say five dollars last time if it's six dollars and we just put it into the spreadsheet it plump, 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 plumps out our numbers and that's your distro your dealer and your retail it just it just bumps it up so we just put the landed price in spits out the rest of the numbers it's pretty basic yeah we don't yeah. and we're not and now with all the crazy pricing and how expensive it is to do business and everything we just we don't we can't absorb any of it it just it goes straight it goes into the formula and whatever spits out that's what it costs yeah it's you know, wild. Just at, at the normal fair you know our normal margins that everything's always been you know 30 30 you know, low 30s distro 40 37 40 percent for dealer and then um 40 percent retail so it just it just goes into the spreadsheet and then it tells us where it needs to be yeah so that we can stay in business yeah <laughs> yeah it's definitely uh kind of wild it, it's like constantly playing cat and mouse with us so yeah yeah and it just keeps going up and up and up even when t-day was looking at because we know everything that goes in the trailer even if the msrp is lower you know say a lot of american par parts that they don't give you 40 percent. we have to market at 40 percent. So everything in our trailers bare minimum 40 percent markup so yeah. say if it's a three hundred dollar MSRP, well if our forty percent is three nineteen, then we sell for three nineteen, and that's that. We just we have to, and yeah. people don't understand. Well, why? You know, like oh, it says this on this, and we're like, look, man, when we leave, like, we leave this door, we leave this thing with two trucks and trailers because our follow truck and trailer that they they live on the road, you know, like it's we lose minimum ten percent. So we're already at a thirty percent margin. So if we started at thirty, then we're at twenty, we're out of business. Like you yeah. can't do it. We few years back three or four or five years back we had to literally evaluate what was going on and why we're always broke and that was a big part of it was giving deals and letting teams have deals on and not on you know just at the trailer when you're bringing two of everything and then they come wipe you out on friday it's you know teams and bro deals and this we just yeah. had to stop like hey guys and, and people were mad at first but like hey look if you want us to be here if you respect us being here then you know and, and some people it's like seven dollars or four dollars more it's not it's not like you're paying two thousand dollars more you know yeah it's a couple bucks here a couple bucks there but at the end of our weekend if that's four grand okay now we now we, we can cover that turbo i just had to buy yeah <laughs> so, yeah so our whole our whole grand junction sales and profit just went to that turbo we made nothing we take nothing home fuel employees and a turbo that's what we got for two so weeks tough you yeah. know like come on man i just wish people would understand a little bit that we're not trying to get over we're trying to bring them a great service and you put their kids on great parts and, and do it with a smile and man, yeah some people, some people think we're just ripping them off like jesus christ man yeah some people definitely feel like that but i, I think the most kind of understand yeah it's, what's it's going not on that that is the you know, name most people do respect it and understand. Yeah. but then but then you know the newbies still don't you still got to go through it you're still going through the the spiel you know why all the time i love why uh, can't you give a why can't you give a deal why can't you do this you got it sitting there don't you just want to make a sale no yeah. i want to make money <laughs> do you want I love free, it motherfucker i get people uh emailing me and they're like 
Not sure if you know, but XYZ vendor is selling their five bolt gear at this price. And I'm like, yeah. I respond back, then go buy it. Yeah, I don't care either. <laughs> like, I'm not playing a game where it, we are going to the bottom. Like it took a long like, time to, to to be that, you know, to be that have that not power or not you know, like platoon horn, just to be able to say, okay, no, we can wait till the next sale. Yeah. I mean, 10 years ago, we were like, okay, fuck, we need gas money. Let's, let's roll. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, we were there. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times we were there. All yeah. right. Uh, 20% off on Sunday, the whole fucking store <laughs> trying to get home from Winnemucca, you know, and it sucks because it just devalues <laughs> the product. It devalues what you're doing. Yeah. You know, it gives you that carny vibe. So we would just, yeah. The struggle Luckily, it's not sure. too much of that anymore. So, yeah. yeah, but it, it took yeah, that takes years to get to that point, you know. It does, so, it takes a long time, yeah, for sure. So, and we still anybody, think about it. <laughs> anybody who's looking to start up, go for it, <laughs> yeah. No, knock yourself out. I'll even, I mean, I'll even point in the right direction, <laughs> yeah. You've got tangent product to sell them, and I have rented, yeah, yeah. So all day. Let's go <laughs> 10%, 10 off mobile retailers. So, oh man, well, so, yeah, uh. Let's uh we, let's talk some F one. We're at an hour. Let's uh let's get yeah, to the good I know. stuff. We did uh we did we we're a little chatty, but um that's all yeah. Right. So we had a <laughs> so uh, fans want. We not only you and I were on summer vacation, but so did F one for the last three weeks. And uh there's been a lot of uh spa is coming up this weekend in Belgium, and uh there's been a lot to do with your favorite racer. So what is going on with Danny Rick? Danny Rick, man. Um what do you think well, is gonna? What do you think is? What do you? What do you think is gonna happen? You know, what are the I, most I, likely I'm honestly scenarios? just baffled because I was trying to watch I, uh, the last couple of nights. I went a bit early. I was just so beat up. But there's so for those of you who don't know, Danny Rick uh, had a contract through 2023. Um, and I guess it was Ironclad side. So now with McLaren. So McLaren is now having to. I guess they're having to buy him out of the contract or yeah. pay him out of the contract for him to leave. Cause yeah. obviously they don't want him there. He's like, you know, he doesn't want to be there if they don't want him there, but he's like, but I'm, you know, but I want 20 million. <laughs> and that's the speculation, <laughs> the speculative number. Uh, and you don't know if that's true. It's just YouTube people, but you know, from formidable, uh, re re reputable, I'm sorry, reputable, uh, you know, F1 sources, you know, they, he's going to ask for like 20 million. There's no, you know, I did that. read then, that they're trying to offer him um, a seat in IndyCar right now because they have an IndyCar team. But oh, he's McLaren not, is? Yeah. McLaren has said like, Hey, if you want to yeah. sidestep and go do IndyCar for a year and we'll have you do that. But he's like, yeah, no, I'm F1. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're going to buy my ass out, bitch. And there was, yeah, that, that's Pato award. I think is there. And then someone else. I, I watch a little bit of IndyCar now, um, just because like Grosjean was doing it, so I was watching yeah. a little bit. I, yeah. I don't know much, but I catch some highlights, or I'll watch the ten minute highlight reel. Um, but anyways, back to Rick. Uh, so yeah, it looks like it just was official um, yesterday, maybe day before, that he's definitely gone. He put out a statement. Um, he, did, yeah. he did like a selfie video saying, you know, sorry, you know, blah blah blah, but he he doesn't want to be done. And then uh, with Fernando eating up the Austin seat that put uh, what Piatri uh, was trying to get in on the Alpine or no? Yeah, how, how Oscar Piastri oh, was was supposed to be Alpine. He was obligated to Alpine. race for Alpine, but yeah, uh, Fernando was blocking that seat. And then it's right. the second Vettel left, Fernando worked out a multi-year deal <laughs> with Aston yeah, Martin with left. And caused all this drama. <laughs> yeah. So Piastri said, okay, well, I want to go to McLaren. McLaren. And so there was a big battle with McLaren and 
and Alpine over Piastri. Well, that's just, and Danny Rick's got a contract. So, I mean, just, just getting the poor guys just getting beat up in the media and, you know, what's he going to do? Cause you know, McLaren's like offering his seat and he's still in contract. Um, they hadn't even bought him out yet. So anyways, they've bought him out now. Um, uh, Alpine and McLaren still say they, they're going to go to court battles over Piastri because they've given him you know, millions of dollars to yep. get him prepared for F1. Yep. So that saga is still not done, but then that doesn't leave much for Danny Rick. He can go to Haas because now all of a sudden Schumacher is bidding for that Alpine seat. So yeah, it's crazy. I, I don't, I don't, I really don't know. I mean, where can he go? There's just Haas and I think the only two options he has Alpha Tori or uh, I don't Alpha think Romeo. He's, I, I saw that he, I guess Alpha Romeo is a possibility, but, um, I saw that uh, that they didn't think that he would go to Alpha Tauri because uh, it's basically like going back to Toro Rosso, which is where he started with Max right. Verstappen. Um, yeah, but I mean, so it's the best one out of the. It's better than Haas. I mean, I, I, I it'd be fun. It'd be fun. It'd be fun to root for Haas. I mean, you know, K Mag and, uh, and Danny Rick. That'd be a good group. You know, if they can get him up in the top ten. That'd be fun. It would be a good. It would be a good. Uh, I think. I think he may end up at Haas, you know, I'd be at, the, at the end of the I day, like, I will be pumped if he goes to Haas, you know, and then him, then he smokes a McLaren. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause look, but Kevin Magnuson, watching... Kevin Magnuson came in and was killing it in that car. So that has got to be a little bit of confidence boost for Danny Ricardo. And he, and Danny Ricardo keeps on making a reference to, I just have to remember what happened to Sergio Perez. And right. Sergio Perez raced for this team that was marginal at best. He was able to win a couple of times with that team. And then he got his chance at Red Bull, which, you know, Danny at the end of the day probably never should have left Red Bull, but it no. is what it is. He's kicking himself. He's kicking himself, but he's looking he got to circle back Max. around oh, man, to he, something. He, God, he blew it. Yeah, he did, but. Now, and there's that episode in Drive to Survive of talking about it and all that, you know. Like, now you just watch that hindsight and be like, man, you fucked up. <laughs> well, I just started rewatching Drive to Survive from last season, and the one of the very uh, the episode where they try uh, uh, pitting like Lando against uh, Danny Rick, you know, he makes this comment in the beginning, he's like, I'm here with McLaren. I want to be here long term. I'm going to bring championships to this team. And I'm like, ooh, that didn't age well. It's less than a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got the boot. Like, uh, it's it's but sad. I will say, uh, Danny Rick is the only McLaren driver to have won in an right. F1 seat in the last 2012, 10 years. 2013. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe McLaren should look at their car and be like, why the fuck can't we get this guy to drive it? You know what? Yeah. What are we doing so wrong? Cause that was something that Carlos Sainz also understood why Danny Rick was having such a problem in a lot of interviews that he had, you know, he made a comment that that car is difficult to drive yeah. and you know, you really have to change your driving style to drive that car. So, you know, yeah. And he's too old for that. Huh? They, but they say the Haas has, I mean, just they say uh, one of the YouTubes I watched the night before last, they say that they, that it's speculated that the Haas is a similar setup to the McLaren, like with the, the understeer, doesn't have the, the front end biter, you know, something or other. It's a similar, similar hmm. driving car, but, but I don't know. It was like I said, it's just YouTube crap. There but, was, uh, there was people, I, the one I love recently was, uh, people accused Haas of, just basically copying Ferrari 
and yeah. Gunther's reaction was, Duh. well, <laughs> um, they are one of our sponsors. We yeah. buy their brakes. Their, uh, we buy the suspension. We buy, yeah. we have the engine. So yeah, Motor, it rides like a fucking gearbox. Ferrari. And by the way, they're fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like motor, gearbox, suspension. Like what? Yeah, it's, we buy from Ferrari. Yeah. So yeah, we copied the outside a little bit too. <laughs> yeah. That was something I, mean, uh, I uh, went to Italy and I was able to actually, it, I was able to go to the, the, the Ferrari museum and see all the F1 history, which was amazing. But we did end up taking this Ferrari factory tour, which wasn't, the greatest but at the end of the day like they drive you like through the middle of the the open roads of the factory like between the buildings and you can like look down and like see in the buildings and stuff like that but we did um like turn around right in front of the wind tunnel where they were oh, right. pretty much they're testing the f1 cars and and their production vehicles and it, it was cool to see that it was just yeah that's cool. it was just wild to be in this little tiny country village town because that's what it feels like uh -huh. and you're driving through the middle of this factory and you look left and right and there's legit 50 ferraris in various stages of the manufacturing just parked on the roads inside that's, the factory but outside the factory cool. you don't really see them that much yeah yeah so it's pretty wild but you do in monaco <laughs> yeah you do in monaco yeah you went to monaco and uh <laughs> yeah that was cool so my sure. uh f1 like you know I, I'm, I'm still pretty newbie f1 you know three years give or take yeah. so uh on the trip you know uh, like like george saying we were both over uh in europe same time um we went to uh visit Vilma's family in lithuania then we went over to worlds mid mid france and then the last week we actually was like a like the true vacay tour tourism vacay we went to south of france stayed on the beach city and then went through Saint-Tropez and uh, Cannes and made our way over to Monaco and stayed in Monaco for like two and a half days. And man, that, that was cool. Like that place is holy shit, supercar heaven. And then the courses, the road course, it's only a square mile uh, yeah. Monaco. You're pretty much all the roads you're walking on. You're kind of right there down on that front main street, uh, that main street where the, uh, the, uh, the docks are, the, whatever they're called they're not docks but yeah the, the big the yacht docks um yeah. so the marina yeah you know, walking yeah marina walking yeah. through the course and then i went to that that hairpin the famous hairpin we walked down that and took some photos and there was people in various parts of it just sitting there taking pictures of supercars because supercar after supercar after supercar yeah so literally like like legit camera dudes just sitting there taking pictures taking pictures and yeah i shot some videos and, and did some stuff we went through the through the tunnel the monaco tunnel uh on one of the bus rides but man beautiful city super clean i want to say healthy, like insane. i want to say yeah. probably i want to say half of the f1 grid lives in monaco there's a chunk for sure i was reading it the other when we were there like which f1 drivers live there i was like max lives there and lando Sainz lives there lando uh, Leclerc grew up there that's Leclerc. Like yeah where, he's from there yeah uh, i think albon lives there yep yeah so yeah there's some some heads there but uh, i'm sure they can't even show their face because even just walking around there's always an uh, f1 like jersey someone's wearing one of the kids or you know a lot you see a lot of those red bull ones even when you're just touring the you know the prince's castle there's some kid with a red bull you know factory <laughs> jersey on like your little hat <laughs> yeah 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 your little hat you forced them to give you <laughs> yeah, but that's right so but yeah so we went uh got to do that walk some course really really neat and then um 
went to the Prince's Museum and he had four or five F1 cars. I did a bunch of stories and they're saved like under the Europe trip. Um, yeah. It's kind of kind of cool stuff if you're like a nerd like me. So it was, it was neat to check all that out. And it was a, it was a good trip, man. It was good, good European vacation and, and mixed in a little work, but kind of yeah. like a fun, fun work. That was like um, a once in a lifetime thing. Like you're not going to go back to Monaco yeah. all that much, you know? So. No, nah, I don't see me. I don't care to ever go back. I'd rather just try something else, you know? I yeah. mean, it's literally, it's a square mile. Like you're not, yeah. I'm not going to see anything new and yeah. I can't really afford to be there. So <laughs> I'd rather just It would be badass <laughs> to go to the race there. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, uh, one race there would be sick, but I don't feel like blowing 20 grand on staying there. I can't. Yeah. I don't think, know. I think it would cost more. <laughs> Probably. I, I bet it costs yeah. more during that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't doubt. I mean, between, well, we, we've now experienced the ticket pricing. So, yeah um, unless yeah. you're at some hotel um where you have an overlooking window it's gonna cost a lot i mean i don't even want to say how deep we are into our f1 tickets jesus christ man <laughs> well, i don't know if you'll get in trouble i don't really care about uh <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't care i don't care either. i just i'm just talking shit yeah i mean we're eight weeks away uh rich and i just finalized yes. our tickets we got tickets all three days for austin um i'm so pumped right now yeah like, this is going to be epic. Um, and it's it's the cost of a, va- a vacation. Yeah. And, you know, who cares, man? Like, you I don't care. Your ass, I, I'm, I'm busting my ass. Yeah. You know? No, you're like, like this is... I do. The price went up. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> no, it's this. Don't care. Yeah, yeah, sure? yeah. I'm like, don't care. <laughs> What's it's your fine. Venmo? I, uh, for those listening, Eric Gerke listens to this. Uh, he just uh, finally booked his ticket the other day. Um, awesome. But, the the like those general audience tickets that we bought for like friday saturday which were uh, relatively cheap they were like 120 i think friday might have been 60 saturday was like 120 or whatever for sunday those tickets went up to 500 which oh, is crazy just for like a grass, grass. Seat, you know yeah it's wild but yeah. um yeah this is gonna be good we're sitting in turn 12 um it's going to be a big overtaking spot and we can see a lot of the track uh, from where yeah, you said at. it's coming out of a DRS zone, right? Yep. Into the, into two good turns. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it should be good. It's uh, you know, hopefully we'll see some good action there and uh, who knows where the championship will be, but, but I mean, you know, hopefully what? nothing bad happens, but like Max has got mm-hmm. an 80 point lead. So this is his championship to lose if anything. Right. You know, what's cool about, I mean, I, I like watching on TV, and I'm sure it'll be like, man, TV would be cool. Hopefully, there's a screen kind of where we are. I like when we, I went to India yeah. last year. There was, yeah. But we don't. What you don't see is what we will see live is all the lappers after a little while. So those guys will be coming in hot, passing yeah. lappers into those corners. So that's going to be so. Uh, you know, midway through, there's going to be overtaking nonstop. Yeah. But they, you know, they don't. You don't see that on TV because they stay with leaders and, and front battles. So we'll be seeing double wide and dip into that turn from halfway through, like. The rest of the race yeah. i would think right i mean oh yeah definitely so yeah. We, you don't see lap traffic in in on tv so i think we'll see some good action and you know, yeah. a lot of a lot of passing action especially after the halfway mark when they start hitting the lappers so that'd yeah. be kind of cool yeah and that's a classic uh, that, that's a really good course and stuff and and like a driver favorite so you know should be cool and we're going to be in austin for a couple of days and hang yeah, out I'm stoked. You know? just sunburnt <laughs> Well, that doesn't really happen to me, but, you know. Yeah, maybe. well, I'm not too bad either. And I got, I took care of it. I got my base uh, being like, you know, part Hawaiian or whatever. I got my base uh, in, in Europe. So I think I'm all right. I'll, I should be all right. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Um, you know, anything else that you could think of? Uh, 
I don't think anything that we can uh, not put on another show. I mean, we'll run out of content one of these days. So, nah. no, I'm pretty good, man. We'll be good, uh, man. Good chatting with you. We keep on doing these like once a month, just various things, you know. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's good. People like it. It's different. Yeah. I mean, two weeks is, I think two weeks is fine with me. If, you know, if it's just this next, uh, my next two month stretch, like I'm barely even home. So, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. It's just uh, when we're that busy. Because I think two months is kind of long. You know, I kind of even forget some of the events I went to. I probably went to another one in between there. I don't even remember. <laughs> I think and it was, then, uh, uh, it might have been like six weeks since a lot. I don't know if it was two yeah. months. I think, but, yeah, it's probably not that long. But yeah. I think, but I mean, three, we had a lot of stuff three, going three, on. Weeks. Like it is, no, it totally. is, you know. And then September is, we're just slapped with, every, we only have one weekend off in September. Yeah. One weekend off, one weekend off in October. And then we got three weeks to get ready for grands. Uh, per you know per se i mean we're always ready but to 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 take a catch our breath before the week-long grands and then and yeah. then the year after that we got to decide if we could try to go to f1 in vegas for grands or go to grands <laughs> you know i would be okay because um the way that that's laid out uh i would be pretty much okay with like doing everything at grands to su- saturday night and uh then packing every, myself like packing up my stuff ditching it and then flying out to vegas for sunday yeah so i would I've be okay a, with that but <laughs> i've got a really wealthy friend and he's pretty popular in vegas and he's uh he's asked around at some of the places he spends a lot of money and to, to you know i asked him hey ask your you know your people about you know getting hotels and stuff overlooking the race and he's they, they, there's no way he's like it's absolutely no way it's the people that spend you know 500 grand plus gambling it's like they want the gamblers there Jeez, like yeah. right, like matt it's my buddy matt he spends money you know just doing lifestyle stuff it's just yeah. you know just bars and parties and the pool those expensive pools and all yeah. that kind of stuff he's like nah dude it's all he said it's all about the degenerate gamblers like they got first pick because they're going to come, you know, spend so much money. They're not, they're not there just to watch a race and drink some beers. They're going to, you know, bring the whole, bring the million dollars and leave with, leave with the half of it gone. And yeah, so that's, it does that's the priority. That it's that weekend. Yeah. Kind of bums yeah, me it does. out. So I, so I, won't, yeah. I, I probably won't even really think about it. And then, uh, well, we'll see. We'll see what the buzz is after Austin, but then maybe hit Miami next year. We'll yeah. I mean, you know, that's the thing. Like we have a choice now. We really yeah. have a choice of technically four races that we could go to. Like if we wanted to, we could do Mexico. We could do yeah. Miami. We could do uh, Montreal. Canada. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they were talking Montreal about going to race cool. to New York too. Yeah, I know. I saw that. Like that'd be, yeah, wild. I saw that. man, four races here. Like that. I mean, that's just goes to show how big the U S market's getting that they're like, hungry to cash in on our dollars exactly but like look like we've been looking at those tickets all the time right and yeah they're all sold out and they're all going for big bucks for like, is it sold out now pretty much um a lot of them are yeah, yeah there's yeah. like I mean, there's a big chunk i mean that section we were in there's only maybe 20 seats left out of hundreds so exactly and they were sporadic it was like yeah. there was <laughs> when i was looking at the map there was like one in the middle like one empty seat yeah like somebody must have bought them weird you know <laughs> yeah yeah a five pack and four pack three pack two pack yeah yeah, yeah. but uh um, yeah i i was getting nervous man i'm like dude how long do you think we're gonna wait because i kept telling you <laughs> it's like well whenever you're ready. I'm like just fucking buy them dude i'll i'll you figure it out I'll, i trust you just buy the damn tickets you know i'm good for it <laughs> oh, so we were talking about it we we're both in europe oh, when i get back i'm like dude that's three more fucking weeks dude like 
I because I, we watch them all and it's like sold out crowd of 400,000. I'm like, dude, dude, it took it took like five months for you to commit to do this for one. <laughs> yeah, but and once then... I'm in, I'm in, dude. Once I'm in, let's go. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, I mean, I thought no you still had like uh I thought you still had like a th a three-tier process of approval you had to get before you hey, I, but I got them all so. checked, dude. All the boxes are ticked, dude. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, but once I'm, I'm once I'm in, like let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a good time. Um I'm, yeah, I'm excited. I, I kind of have forgotten about it, been so busy, but now that we're we're chit-chatting, man, that's that's right, it's gonna be right around the corner. But it's gonna be a good one because like you're gonna be like totally blown out with all these events you're going to and then it's like holy shit next week i'm going to austin like it's gonna be like a good recharge you yeah, know? yeah 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 no, and fun. i know for me like i'm like stressing about grand's build outs and getting stuff ready and getting material in and trying to make sure we're pumping out because i want to make sure everybody who needs stuff at grand's is going to have it and i want to make sure yeah, i sure. have stuff for grand's also but that means that we we i mean we are busting our ass every single day here but yeah. um we're limited in material and, and and for some of the stuff so once we get this delivery in we're going to be cranking stuff out and trying to yeah. build up our stock as 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 much as we possibly can and uh so then i'm gonna really enjoy this austin trip i think it's gonna yeah, be a no, good time it's gonna be good so but uh, uh it is five o'clock my front office lady is going to be officially off and that means my babysitter for the evening is gone so go take care of your baby i saw i'm she gonna was, run uh, uh, she was raging earlier so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was so i was filming george's like hey you ready i'm like well I, so i sent him some video i go well I'm trying to get the kids settled down with our office manager so that i can have some quiet time because if she comes banging on this door daddy up up must like hit the keyboard and if i'm Got earphones. She wants them, so uh, we had to get her. So my parenting first. advice must have worked, right? You told her calm down, and yeah, she calmed yeah. down, and then you were able yeah. to do the podcast. And then I told, I told it's Lindsay. I told Lindsay, <laughs> if, and if she starts acting up, just put on Coco Melon because just distract her. <laughs> so Coco so Melon, we're all good, man. Cocaine of babies. So. Yep, exactly. <laughs> all right, man. Good talking good to chatting. you. Bye, uh, buddy. Good luck at the next few events, and I hope you guys Thank kick you, sir. ass. And uh, see you on the next one, guys. All right, man. See you guys later. Uh, thanks for all the great response and uh, liking the show, and we'll uh, try and we'll keep it rolling. <laughs> later. There you go.